Well, it's my pleasure uh, today to introduce to you uh, my pastor growing up, uh, Pastor Mike Wild. I asked him a couple weeks ago if he could step in for me today and, and preach. So I, I think it was a freshman or sophomore at Laurelwood Baptist in Vancouver uh, when, when Mike and the whole family uh, moved out. And uh, Mike, uh, Mike was a, a great pastor. I, I got to intern there at Laurelwood with the students. I got to spend uh, quite a bit of time with Mike. He, uh, he did uh, our premarital counseling um, I, over the years, especially early on. I'd, I'd email him or call him up with a lot of different questions. If you've been to a wedding ceremony that I've done, uh, you might as well have been to one that Mike's done because I ripped off everything from him. So anyway, I, I could go on and on. But if you have your Bibles, uh, open up to Isaiah 49, and uh, let's get ready to hear the word. I appreciate that. Um, Greg and Lindsay, best, uh, best couple I ever counseled. They uh, were phenomenal. Um, thank you, Pastor Greg, for allowing me to share today. How many of you have had children when they were real little afraid of the dark ever have that experience that? Boy, we did. We have four children, and every one of them had different reasons for being afraid of the dark. I don't know what you did, but we tried a number of different things. We, uh, we got a nightlight for them. We left the, the door to their bedroom open so, and, and turn on the hallway light. We would assure them that everything was okay. And we would even rub their back a little bit, helping them to relax. But perhaps the best thing that we ever did to help our kids to calm down when they were afraid of the dark was just to sing over them. I, I so appreciate uh, Zephaniah 317. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. He will sing over you. That's kind of what we did. And you know, you don't have to be a kid to be afraid of the dark because there's a lot of darkness around us today. It's a beautiful day today. But the situation in our country and maybe in some of your lives is indeed dark. We've got a, an economy with inflation increasing. Uh, we've all been watching, at least I've been watching the, the news out of Afghanistan and the and the troubles there and the anxiety that has arisen trying to get our people out of there. We've all been affected by COVID and health issues. We feel, you know, that there is a spiritual darkness that's going on as well. The devil is alive and well here on planet Earth. And it's one thing to, to feel like you're in the dark because of other things happening to us. It's another thing to be in the dark and to be clueless when we're the culprits. When the health crisis that we are experiencing is because we didn't take care of ourselves. Or our finances are rough because of how we made some bad decisions. Or the relationship difficulties we have with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband, wife, or with children. 
It's not their fault, but when we look in the mirror, we recognize that we're the culprit. And we wonder when we're in the dark, when we're caught between a rock and a hard spot, what do I do? You ever been there? What do I do? When I don't know what to do. I share that because that's where Israel is right now in chapters 49 and 50. The book of Isaiah is speaking to people who are in exile. Uh, They are there because of their own foolishness. They're, They're there because of their own disobedience. They're there because they stopped listening to God. And now they find themselves in exile, hundreds and hundreds of miles away from their homeland, living in a foreign land among a foreign culture, among foreign gods wondering what they should do in the dark, stuck. And it's here that we find in Isaiah 49 and 50, two songs that God sings over them. Uh, These two songs are part of, of the four servant songs that we see in Isaiah. The first one was in chapter 48 that was shared with us a little bit last week. But here in 49 and 50 are two songs, they're called servant songs, that will show us what to do when we find ourselves scared of the dark, stuck, not knowing what to do. Isaiah was a prophet, we know, and the people stopped listening to God. And now he tells them these songs, these two songs that speak not just of a servant, but a redeemer. Not just a redeemer, but one who will shine light into the darkness. We know that Isaiah is talking about Messiah. You and I, as followers of Christ, (laughs) we know that he's talking about Jesus. So as Isaiah speaks... We recognize that God is speaking to us today. If you have your Bibles, look with me. Chapter 49, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, if you just kind of open it up into the middle, you're going to kind of run into Isaiah. Isaiah 49 says it this way. Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention, you people from afar. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named me. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. And he has also made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will show my glory. Do you see that there? He's speaking to the exiles, but he's also speaking to us. You see how it says it in verse 1? Listen to me, O islands. What's he talking about? Israel is in Babylon. They're They're not along the coast. God is not just speaking to Israel. He's speaking to us today, all followers of God. And as he speaks... What is he saying? First of all, he shares with us, God speaks through his servant. 
And notice the word in verse 2. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. Where have we heard that before? John, the disciple, speaks of a vision, a revelation of Jesus Christ. In his book, The Revelation of Jesus Christ, he shares that Jesus, the Messiah, will come with a mouth like a sharp sword. But we've heard that word before, haven't we? Hebrews 4, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the divisions of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God is speaking, and he's speaking today. The question is for us, are we listening? You see, we live in a time, we live in a world in which there are different voices speaking to us. There's the voice of the world. We hear it all the time. It's over all the media. It's over the radio. It's it, that we're swimming in that, that world. We hear it all around us. And then there is the voice of our own flesh that speaks of our needs and our desires and our wants and our anxieties. And then we know as people of God that there is a voice of the devil who speaks very quietly and subtly and cunningly and deceitfully. And then if you are a follower of God, the Spirit of God speaks. And here's the problem. They all sound the same. All those voices sound the same because they sound like us. That's how we hear them. And so the key of hearing God today is to read your Bible. Read your Bible every day. Not just once a week, not just when I feel like it. Read your Bible every day. Every day, read your Bible. And here's what happens when you read your Bible. Pretty soon, you can differentiate the different voices. You begin to hear the, the voice of the Spirit as you, as you read your Bible. It becomes clearer and more compelling. So God speaks through his servant, but secondly, God shows his glory through his servant. Verse 5 of chapter 49. And now, says the Lord, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and God is my strength. Jesus has come to bring glory to God. The servant has come to honor the Lord. And here's the thing that we know about God's glory. He doesn't share it with anybody else. And what we know about God's glory is that he uses all of this life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the indifferent, to bring glory to his name. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. 
actively and passively, all of this brings glory to God. And when we think about that in our own circumstances, in the darkness that you and I find ourselves in at times, the struggles we have in relationships, the, the problems we have with our health, the, 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 our finances, all of those things, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his promise and his purpose. And you go, well, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through, and I don't. But I know that whatever you're going through, God is going to use it if you were a follower of Christ, he's going to use it for good. And you go, what good is that? I go, I don't know. Except for verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, whatever darkness you're going through, whatever difficulty, wherever you're stuck, whatever crisis that you are going through, and our country is going through a number of crises right now. God is using that in the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to make you more and more like Jesus. Trust me, Susan and I have experienced crisis. We've, uh, we've experienced losses in our family. We've experienced those times, and we're going to continue to do that. You know, uh, getting older is not for wimps. Can I just say that? Uh, those of you who are youth, enjoy the fact that you can sleep through the night. <laughs> that you don't have to go to the bathroom one, two, three, four times. Okay, I'm getting personal. Let's get back to preaching. God's song tells us that God speaks through his servant. God shows his glory through his servant. Third, God saves us through his servant. Look with me, verse 6 and 7. He says, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant? To raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel I will also make you a light of the nation so that my salvation may reach to the ends, ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One, to the despised one, to the one abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers. Kings will see and arise. Princes will also bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. God has promised to restore and redeem Israel. God has promised through his servant to restore and redeem us. Let me say it this way. The hope of the world is not a booster shot for the coronavirus. The hope of the world is not a stronger military. The hope of the world is not stronger or looser borders. The, the hope of the world is not more money. The hope of the world is Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the Lord, the Sovereign One. It's Jesus. Finally, God comforts us through his servant. A little bit later in 
chapter 49, looking over at uh, verse uh, 13. We read, Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. God comforts him, comforts us. How does God comfort you? How does God comfort us? He does it through his presence. It's that verse, Zephaniah 3.17. He comes into our midst. He will exult over you with his joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Psalm 73 is a wonderful song, especially for those of us who might be going through those dark times in life, those struggles that we have. It could be relational problems. It could be health issues. But the song goes something like this. There is a man of God who is seeking to live for God, and yet he is discouraged, and he's wiped out emotionally because as he's living for God, life has gotten really tough. And as he looks around, he sees the wicked people, the godless people, they seem to be doing great. They seem to be doing wonderful. There's no problem with them. As a matter of fact, life is so good for them that they are mocking him for trying to follow God. They're, they're even saying, where is your God? And so this follower of God who's about ready to chuck his faith takes one last visit to the temple. And there in the temple, he gets a fresh glimpse of God a vision of God. You can see it in the song. There's a, there's, a, there's a turning point there. And towards the end of the song, he says words like this, Whom have I in heaven but you? <laughs> and besides you, I desire nothing on earth. He says, As for me, the nearness of God is my good. There's a man who's been comforted by God. Let me, let me point out to you that when all you have is God, he is enough. When that's all you've got, you know you have all you need. What's the point here? Why is he sharing this in chapter 49? He's telling us that God has sent his servant to shine his light in our darkness. He says it back in verse 6. I also will make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. He, he has talked before about Israel being the light to the nations. And here they are stuck in Babylon. And now he's saying the Lord himself will be a light to the nations. We've, we know that. God delivers us from our mess because the song he's singing here is about Jesus. What do we know about Jesus? Jesus is the light of the world, isn't he? And the question is, are you hearing him? He says to us, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will, what, give you rest. 
He's, he's the light of the world, the light that exposes, the light that cleanses, the light that leads us and guides us. Here's a great illustration. There are two types of people in the world, and you're one of them. You're either a moth or a cockroach. How's that? How's that? It's how they respond to the light. Moths are attracted to the light. Cockroaches run away from the light. Except the house down the road from us in Tucson. One of the chaplains at the Air Force Base and I were looking for an airman who was absent without leave. And we were afraid for him and we were afraid for the kids and we got into the house and we did a search and we didn't find them or the kids, but we did find cockroaches. I've never seen so many cockroaches in my life. How bad was it, Mike? Well, it's so bad that when we turned on the light, cockroaches on the wall, cockroaches on everywhere, they didn't move. It was as if they were saying, what are you going to do about it? But cockroaches typically run away from the light. Moths typically move towards the light. And here's the question. Do you want to hide in your stuff in the darkness, or do you want to face God and allow him to expose it, allow him to cleanse it, and allow him to lead you? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's, he's the only way out of the problem you're facing. He's the truth to show you the solution. And he is the life where there's no one else. But I know because I've been there. When you are in the darkness, you feel forsaken. And that's what Israel says as well. Verse 14, chapter 49. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. And the Lord has forgotten me. Have you felt like that? The Lord has, has forsaken me. He's forgotten me. He doesn't know how bad it is. He doesn't know my situation. And that brings up another question that we have. What is God doing when he doesn't seem to be doing anything at all? And God is speaking to us through this second song. When we don't think God is doing anything at all, when we find ourselves in the darkness, when we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, God is speaking to us very clearly, and he's telling us to trust in the Lord when we find ourselves in the dark. Look to God when we can't see the light. If you have your Bibles, chapter 50, verse 10. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Does that describe you today? It, all, it sounds like it's describing our country today, but is it describing your life? He's saying, for those who are followers of God, trust him in the darkness. Trust him. Lean on him. How do we do that? Well, he's told us already in this chapter. 
Trust him by remembering the times that he has delivered you in the past. Look with me, uh, chapter 50, verses 1. Thus says the Lord, where is the certificate of divorce by which I sent your mother away? Or to whom of my creditors did I sell you? Behold, you were sold for your iniquities, for your transgressions your mother was sent away. Why was there no man when I came, when I called? Was, why was there none to answer? Is my hand so short that it cannot ransom, or have I no power to deliver? Behold, I dry up the sea with my rebuke. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. God is reminding Israel, look at the way that I've taken care of you. I never divorced you. I never left you. I didn't sell you into slavery. You sold yourselves into slavery because of your disobedience. I didn't do it. I don't need the money. Remember what he's done when you're in the dark. And he gives allusion here to what he did for them in Egypt. He says, I I freed you from slavery before. I will free you again. And sometimes you and I need to be reminded of that, don't we? Especially when we're in the dark, when we're saying, what is God doing when he doesn't seem to be doing anything? We need to remember. We trust him by remembering the ways that he has come through for us in the past. Susan and I have done that any number of times. When we find ourselves between a rock and a hard spot, before we start saying, woe is me, we say, But remember what God has done. Remember how God has delivered us. He will never forsake us. As a matter of fact, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he has placed the spirit of God within you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You might drift. You might walk away. You might be disobedient. Right now you might be thinking, I've done things that God could never forgive me for. That's a lie of the devil. Don't listen to that. Remember what he's done. He loves you. He cares for you. Secondly, we trust him in the dark by remembering who he is. Verse 6. I gave back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. You know, Isaiah could be saying that, but that sounds an awful lot like Jesus, doesn't it? There's allusions here of the Messiah and the suffering that he was going to go through. As God delivered his people through the plagues of Egypt, he became for them a pillar of fire at night and a, and a cloud of smoke during the day. And he was the same God in the dark as he was in the light, and he's the same God today as he was back then. Yesterday, today, forever, God never changes. And verse 4 through 9 is that servant song. And it reminds us that as Jesus trusted the Father in his darkness, as he was betrayed and as he was crucified, so you and I can trust God in our darkness. How do I do that? Years ago, as a fairly young Christian... I was told uh, to find a life verse 
And I don't know if you have a life verse or not, but I, I struggled with that because I, I couldn't land on, on a verse. There were so many different verses. And then there was this old missionary at this church that we were serving at. And he shared his life verse. And I, at first I go, you know, that's just so, that's so easy. That's so simple. I want something more complicated. After all, I went to seminary. And yet I found... As I got older, I recognized the wisdom of that verse and how powerful that verse is. It's become my life verse, and I'm just going to offer it to you. If you don't have a life verse, let me offer mine to you. You can borrow it. I borrowed it from others. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Boy, I've gone to that verse again and again and again and again, especially in the darkness, especially in those trying times. Finally, trust God by reflecting his character when you find yourself in the darkness. Ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? Ask yourself the question, how in the midst of my darkness can I honor God? Can I reflect his character? Reminded of that passage in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Here's what I found when I find myself in the dark. I can't see very far. I can't even see to the end of my nose. I become so consumed with myself and my problems and if I'm going to have the same attitude that Jesus had when he was in the darkness and trusted God, then Philippians 2, 3, and 4 remind me to look beyond myself, not merely for my own personal interests, but consider the interests of others. Here's the truth. You've been blessed to be a blessing. How can you be a blessing in the midst of being in the darkness? Husbands, love your wives even when you're in the dark. Fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Wives, respect your husbands. All of us, love one another. As, as we're dealing with our difficult things, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But I know what you're thinking because I've thought the same thing, but I'm in the dark, and i got to get out of the dark, and I have a better way. There's a warning here in this passage. Notice the warning. Those that do their own thing will live to regret it. If you light your, your own fire, you're going to get burned by it. Verse 11, behold, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with firebrands, walk in the light of your fire and among the brands that you have set ablaze. This you will have from my hand. You will lie down in torment. How do we do that? That's what Israel's been doing. That's why they found themselves as exiles. Uh, they thought they had a better plan. They stopped listening to the, to the prophets. 
they stopped following the, the, the law of God, the very words of God. They decided to follow the ways of the world. They started making alliances, not with God, but with foreign nations. Instead of uh, following hard after God, they accepted the culture and just kind of did what everybody else did. What about us? How do we light our own fire? Can, you know, I'm not calling out guys, but, but it's more true of guys than, than women. Anger. Anger is a biggie. Anger, uh, let me just say it this way. Trying to control uh, people with anger is stupid. It's dumb. It doesn't work. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. We oftentimes get angry at our children and provoke them. I've said it this way. You can always punch someone in the mouth, but it limits your options afterwards. Isn't it true? You can punch them physically. You can punch them verbally. You can punch them with an attitude. I didn't say anything. Ah, but you communicated. You communicated that anger. We light our own fire with our money. We, we try to buy ourselves out of a tough situation. We try to bribe. We light our own fire by lying, by blaming others, by denial, by passing the buck. Here's another leadership principle. When you've blown it, own it. When you've done the deed, confess it. When you take matters in your own hands, you only have yourself to blame when they fail. I close by just talking about my children again. Our oldest daughter, when she was little, was afraid of the dark. We had the light. <laughs> we had the, the door open in the hallway, light on. I had gone in there. Susan had gone in there. I had gone in there. We were done. I sang over her. I rubbed her back. And out of desperation, I just started sharing theology to her. And I said, honey, God is right here. He's not going anywhere. He's for us. He loves you. He loves me. He is watching over us. He is here right now. Doesn't that sound like good theology? But it's only a little girl can say. But I want him here so I can touch him. That's what these songs are all about. Speaking of a redeemer. Speaking of a light to the nations. Speaking of one who would come. God himself. Fully God who came to earth as a man, fully human, who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross to pay the penalties for our sins and rose up again from the dead. And that's what God is calling us to do when we find ourselves in the dark. Trust in the Lord. He's here. He's for you. He loves you. He's the light of the, of the world. He's your redeemer. He's your savior. 
And Jesus Christ was forsaken so you would never be. He will never leave you or forsake you. For those who are stuck, those who find themselves in the dark between a rock and a hard spot and you don't know what to do, trust in the Lord by remembering what he's done. Trust in the Lord by reminding yourself of who he is and trust in the Lord by reflecting his character. Let's pray. Father, I, I believe that you're speaking to all of us today. And in particular to those who are feeling overwhelmed, struggling with what to do, and feeling like there's no way out. Oh Lord, help us to trust in you. You've not given up on us, you're for us. No matter what we've done, Lord, you love us. And we're grateful for that. Father, as we prepare for communion today, we're just reminded of these servant songs. Isaiah's been speaking to us about Jesus, the one who was forsaken so that we wouldn't be, the one who is our redeemer, the one who is the light of the world. Shine your light upon us, Lord, as we partake of communion today, that you would prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.